I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Welcome back to the French Rugby Podcast with me, Tim Groves, ex-Scotland international and adopted Frenchman, Johnny BT. And we thought we'd ride the crest of the French Grand Slam wave for just a little bit longer and get yet another of France's Grand Slam winners on the show this week. So we'll bring him in very shortly. But you had another busy and um, tough weekend, Johnny. How's things? Yeah, difficult week, obviously, with Federico Aramburu's passing last weekend in Paris. It was his funeral here in the Southwest this weekend in Buitz and 1,500 people um, turned up to pay their respects to a wonderful man, um, to a man that wasn't from here, but ended up becoming a part of here. I think that'd be fair to say an Argentinian, very proud as well of his French nationality. Um, and they absolutely loved him and they turned up in massive droves to, to send him off properly. Um, and it was incredibly beautiful yet tragic at the same time if that makes sense. And the strength and the dignity of his family um, was quite remarkable and truly special. So um, now, again, moving forward, which will be incredibly difficult for everybody, it's now rallying around his family, looking after them and, and all doing our parts. So that's when the rugby the rugby fraternity kicks in. Um, so hopefully there can be foundations, charities, events coming together fairly soon and start fundraising. There are, there are already Lecce pages in French. There are just giving pages in English, we'll put the links to all of those in our social um, brackets as well. So if you can um, give a little, that'll be massively appreciated by um, by Ferry's family. So yeah, it's been a difficult week for everybody down here, but it was very important to mark a very special man. Um, and Saturday did just that. We will come on to the top 14 later on, but you went straight from there on the Saturday down to do to lose Leon. Yeah, it probably wasn't my... Um, smartest professional move I think we finished in Beirut maybe at 3-4 in the morning um, and then got a flight up to Paris to do the Toulouse game so it was actually good again to, to mark that moment with Eddie and then try and do something different and get on with professional work um, but again the Toulouse game they've been, been through it as well with the Six Nations period with losing players to the French national side um, and the ovation that those players got when they came back to the stadium was absolutely incredible. So, um, no, it was a huge game for Toulouse and, and good for them to get back into winning ways. I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit later with our guest. But again, another massive game of top 14 rugby and it was good to be there and be part of it. We will come on to chatting a bit about the top 14 later on, but let's not waste any time getting our latest Grand Slam winner on. We can have a chat now with Montpellier and France second row, Paul Willemster. How you doing? Hi guys, no, doing well. Thank you very much. Great to have you on. and. You were back down to earth and back to the day job pretty quickly last week, captaining Montpellier, scoring a couple of tries. But take us back just over a week or so. Paris, 
What was it like becoming a Grand Slam champion? Yeah, well, it's everything I thought it would be and more. Because uh, yeah, well, as soon as I started playing for the French team um, and at my first uh, Six Nations tournament, I, I, I was just like thinking oh, it will be massive if I one day get the opportunity to win this tournament. And uh, yeah, to arrive at that moment where, where the final whistle blows and uh, we've done it. And oh, it was just amazing. Like um, Especially with the team that we have, it made it a bit more special, like winning it with such an awesome team and staff. It was just amazing. I know from the boys at Montpellier, you're a massive family man. So I'm not going to ask you to compare this to the birth of your kids, but was it the best day of your career? Yeah, in my rugby career, this is definitely the best, uh, best, best game, best win, the biggest. And was it the biggest celebrations of your career as well? Uh, celebration, that was a bit difficult because um, we finished up really late after the game because it was a nine o'clock game. We only arrived at the, uh, at the, what do you call it, the party boat or whatever, uh, at like two o'clock in the morning. Um, and then I had my wife and my kids with me as well. So it was a bit difficult. Um, and then we were so tired. So um, because I celebrated, uh, I, I enjoyed my time on the field afterwards with the, you know, walking around and with the trophy and all that. So when I was finished with that, uh, I was kind of tired. So I was like, you it's going to be difficult now to keep this going for a while. But then uh, it was just chill, but really enjoyed it in any case. Uh, but yeah, I didn't also had the responsibility of uh, knowing that I have to come back to Montpellier the next next day <laughs> and get ready for another game. Now, there's something to be said for taking your time and soaking it all up with your family. That's amazing. There's also something to be said for moving these games from nine o'clock kickoffs because everyone's exhausted by the time you get there. It's crazy. Um, yeah. Greg was also quite tight-lipped. He said everyone was exhausted, but there's obviously been a few things happening. Kuyu's ended up in the Sen with the trophy, like... What's come out like on WhatsApp groups? Have you caught up and caught up with what everyone's been up to since then? Definitely, it's a big thing here in France with the with the trophy, where they where they're saying like trying to do investigation, what happened to the trophy and all that. So it was quite funny to have like a story like this with the <laughs> with the trophy. But yeah, I finally saw got the video footage of uh, uh, of him jumping in the <laughs> in the scene with the trophy. Uh, that was quite funny. And you mentioned how special it was winning it with this particular group. You've obviously forged a real bond between you. And you were favourites going into the Six Nations. I just wonder how much of that favourites tag, because people are talking about the World Cup next year already, obviously, throwing your name in there as one of the favourites for that. How much do you speak about that pressure of being favourites and almost embracing it? Yeah, we kind of had a little bit of a taste of it during the whole Six Nations. Whereas before we were just we were always like a little bit of the underdogs and like you know, trying to show if we're really the team that we think we are. Um, but then this the Six Nations, yeah, from the start. I, oh well, after we won against uh, Ireland, I think that was like okay, France is the favorite now. Let's see if they can do it. So we we kind of knew every um, team we played against uh, throughout the sentence. You know, like no, France is the favorite, so we would like to win them. And we kind of had a little bit taste of it. And I must say, didn't have a massive. Uh, impacted in our preparations all that we we were aware of it um, and especially with the last game against England I think the pressure lifted a lot and you could feel that the players are com- comfortable and so on but everybody knew like there's a pressure on us because we're so close now and we expected to win and all of that uh, but I think we handled it well and I think it will definitely help us um, in the same preparation for the World Cup I want to pick up on a word that you used there. I was about to use the word comfortable in that when I watch you guys play, you look extremely comfortable together. So I wanted to ask you about the tactics and the coaching setup that you have, whether it's Vlock, Sean, Fabian, 
like you're very pragmatic, mature, you've got a good set piece, defense and attacking pieces all come together. So does it feel like you all know your roles, the game plan, everyone's bought into it and it's just clicking for you because from an outside perspective, it just looks like comfortable at ease on the pitch with each other. Yeah, no, exactly. We, um, I think like, I believe like each uh, staff member is like a specialist in their zone and like one of the best in the world at their job. Like you're going from uh, Karim with uh, with the lineouts, uh, William Sawad with the scrums and like uh, normal combat situations, Sean Edwards and all that. Laurent uh, every single guy has like a, a passion for their section of the game, and when when they get their chance to do their video sessions and stuff, like you kind of feel that passion and that certain like high level mentality. Um, that that kind of rubs off, rubs off on each player, whereas you, in every single zone, there's like something special, and where you feel like, no, nah, I need to do this because the expectation is really high. Especially with Sean Edwards, that just kind of changed our mentality towards defense. Where I think normally, defense is defense, and nobody, yeah, it's fine. You need to do your be careful not to get done on certain places and all that. But he kind of came and because he's so passionate about defense he came and changed and rubbed off on us changed our mentality like no 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 we're going to use this defense as an attack attack as an as a weapon um and that's exactly with like uh, that's what i think uh, with all this stuff it really works well because um expectations are high the quality of coaching that we get is like uh, the best you mentioned sean there it might be hard, aside from the passion, which is clear for everyone to see, it might be hard to put your finger on exactly what makes him such a good defence coach, but try if you can to, to tell the world what makes him so good. And also, he picked you out, didn't he, as one of a couple of players mm. to be responsible for laying down the law to your teammates when it comes to yeah. physicality. Give us an idea of what that job entails as well. Yeah, with him, like we, we got on really well from the start. Um uh, because obviously I could uh, I could speak with him in English from the start when he was still struggling a bit with his French. Uh, but the thing that makes him special is just like I said, his passion about defense. The thing about defense is you can you can be really technical and you can have all these technical stuff and game plans and all that. How you're going to handle certain situations? But at the end of the day, if you're not if you don't have that willingness or that passion to really make a statement every time you defend then like it's just going to be a defense like every other team and it's not it's never going to be something special so what i feel like what, what he does is like he really lifts he, he shows his passion about defense and then he gets everybody around him excited about defense as as soon as he started like i think it was a little bit of a shock for most of the players because his expectation on defense was like normally you're doing attacking drill and then you defensive drill and you switch off a little bit on defense because you're just going through the drills but with him there, like, there's no switching off because you know, he will let you know when he's not happy. <laughs> so, yeah, he just got everyone excited about defence and made it like a, a real thing to be proud of, like when we defended well. And he made sure, like, to show those clips of the games that we defended well. And, and it's like started being like a, a big characteristic of our team now. It's massive. I caught up with him on the plane after the game down to Perpignan and we just chatted for half an hour. Sean's like, you just chat rugby. He loves chatting rugby. Yeah. But he was saying, like you said, it's almost like he's unlocked a passion because he he felt like the nuts and bolts were always there. He was talking about a boy yeah. like, like Gail Fiku and he's like, the guy's an absolute freak. And he was like, look at how many people in my team can jackal. Everyone can jackal. Everyone can dominate collisions. It's just unlocking that passion. And that seems to be what he's done. Um, you can see the energy and the buzz that you have and now both sides of the ball 
That's what makes it so hard to play against this French side. How much do you enjoy being part of that system, being part of those performances? Because it looks like from the outside, when you're looking in, you see the fun people are having, you're lifting each other off the ground after these big collisions and turnovers. It looks like you're having the time of your life. Yeah, no, I must say, like, I would never have thought, like, I would, I would like, at my age now, like, I'm turning 30 this year. And, like, when I was a youngster, I would have never thought, like, I would enjoy my rugby as, I, as I'm doing now, like, at my age. It's, it's just incredible. I, um, when I was a youngster, you'd always think, no, this is, this is rugby. I'm just playing. And people would talk about you, like, no, you're going to gain more experience and all that. And you, yeah, like, what, what is experience? Like, I'm good now, so let's go, you know. And talking about defence, I actually, I actually was a, a way bigger defensive player when I was younger, when I was a bit more crazier. So it's kind of been always been in my pocket. Uh, but it's only now, again, in the later part of my career that I've reignited that uh, love for defence again. That's the thing with the French team. Like this weekend at Montpellier, I did like, I had like 13 ball carries and I scored tries and stuff in the French team. And people like ask me, like, you know, friends and rugby supporters, now why don't you carry the ball at the French team? Like, yeah, but like all the forwards are ball carriers at the French team. Like everybody's like, like so hungry to get a ball carrier in the French team. It's like, I'm like, no, so they don't need me there as much as a ball carrier, but I could be there in defense because that's, I can, I can, that will benefit the team way more than just adding another massive ball carrier. So yeah, I've, I'm enjoying it so much. And uh, the big thing now is like getting the recognition a little bit, you know, I'm getting seen now and people talking because, because I've always played a real physical game, but you know how rugby is, it's all about opinions and what's being said and so on it's so I've always played like the physical game but now I'm in a situation where people actually realize it now and and also I'm getting the respect of my teammates in the French team and that's and, and in the staff and it's really rare where you really feel the confidence from your staff uh, from all the staff members and, and all your teammates uh, and that kind of gives me a massive energy when I'm playing on the field because I as I know uh, all my teammates love it when I make a big hit and the staff love it. That just gives me so much energy. So, yeah, that's why I enjoy it so much at this moment. And you mentioned that respect and recognition. We had Greg Oldrit on last week and you get no big, bigger respect or recognition than this. He was up for Six Nations Player of the Championship. He said, I think Paul Willemsu should win it. <laughs> no, but that's exactly like, um, and, and, and it's the same way. And the thing is, I, I feel that respect and that, from every single teammate in a team and, and it's the same uh, uh, because I respect I respect them as well the massive amount and that's what I think that makes us our, our team so special is that we respect each other and we li- we live from each other's energy you know like if Anton Dupont does something amazing like everybody's on it like ready to go and if Gregory has a massive ca- carry everybody jumps on that energy if I make a big tackle everybody jumps on it because like it kind of feels like everybody gives each other their space to do what they can do and nobody's like Nobody has a bad, bad thoughts or bad feelings. So we feed off each other and there's like a general respect in that team. That's incredible. Yeah, it seems to be the positivity is breeding positivity across the board. And again, you could reflect your specialized coaching positions in almost specialized player positions. Again, you contrast the second row pairing. You've been in there with Big Cameron Walkie. Can you give us a little word on him? A guy that's just moved to second row recently, a massive impact on the line out, but you complement each other so well. So what's it been like packing down with him? Yeah, no, I've, I've said now for a while, if people ask me about like second line, I tell people now that 
but in today's rugby, there's only one lock left. <laughs> the other one is a Lucy. So, so we've got in today's rugby, we've got four Lucys on the field and only one lock. He came in from yeah from uh, playing uh, Lucy, uh, coming in at second uh, second rower, and then the only adjustment he really had to make is like pushing in the scrum and yeah and maybe not be as open in the play of the scrum, but uh, I think he really adapted really well. And then the cool thing is as well, like he he never once like had a bad attitude because he's not playing his position that he usually does. And I can imagine normally that would be a massive change for a player. Like if you if you had just you know you had your dreams, you want to be a Lucy for the French team, and then they said no, 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 you can. How about you play lock? And that's the thing is like this this team is so special. Like he without a doubt, like without a even a hesitation, he said, yeah, I'm I'm in. He's been working hard and all that. So, like, I've got lots of respect for him because I know, like, um, I, th- I think uh, Locke is probably the least the least uh, enjoyable position to play on the field <laughs> <laughs> because you're in, in everything and you're expected to run like, like everyone. Uh, so, no, I can just imagine for him it wasn't easy to make that mental shift. Okay, I'm, they want me to play Locke, but he's amazing. He's doing a, an awesome job. And I think uh, for the team to have that extra weapon as an attacker and with his speed and using him as a line-out caller, it's, it, it completes the team. Least enjoyable position, but hardest working. So it should be the highest paid, right? Well, <laughs> <laughs> speak to more. <laughs> well, like, I think every guy would say like the position should be the highest paid, but uh, you're expected to push and scrum like a prop and then run like a Lucy and you know, like you, you inside be as tough as a prop, you know, and uh, but be as like intelligent as some of the the Lucys, and it's just, and then you like in every single combat situation, you they like line up drives, the scrums, rucks, you you in it all, and that's that's developed presumably since you started playing there as well. So have you had to evolve as well in terms of your size, your playing weight, the things that you're being asked to do with this? front side it's evolved presumably your position the well with us in the team they kind of use the, the big theme of our team is really to use each player uh, on their strengths so like um if you look at our lineouts uh, for example like there would some places be like I, I would be a lifter instead of jumping on the fence because um we've got players that their strengths are jumping in the air like getting up in the air so even though i can do it my strength is lifting and then coming down to set up a good mall or a mall defense. So using each player to their strengths is a quite valuable thing. So for me, when I started uh, with the with the old uh, old generation, the the old staff, and that um, I came in, I was a little bit heavier than I'm now. And when I played my first game, obviously no experience uh, and felt a little bit late everywhere. Uh, then my 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 first thought was oh, no, I think I'm too heavy I need to lose more weight because I came I um, I lost weight for the first game and then I played and I saw wow, no, I'm still not feeling up for it I need to lose lose more so then I did lost a bit more weight and then I came back and that's when uh, we we started with Fabian um, that first tournament so I think a mixture with that and then them giving me confidence by saying listen Paul we're not we're not going to talk about you are not. Uh, you are too slow, or your shortages. We're gonna talk about your strengths. We want you to carry the ball. We want you to make a big hits. We want you there in the, in the scrums and in the liner drives. And then that sort of started giving me more and more confidence, saying, "Okay, well, they're not. 
like normal coach is going to chat about my weaknesses and make steal all your confidence. Now they're going to happening on what I want to do, uh, what I do good. And then that just gives you more the ability like, oh, okay, now I want to do more. So what do I need to do? Um, so yeah, it's a mixture of stuff, but um, I think the big role of the of the big lock uh, in a team, it's still it's still the basic role, you know, like just there to hurt people. Mate, it's an important role. Sell it up, <laughs> upsell it. It's a massive role. Um, I wanted to ask you more about Fabian. He was my coach in Montpellier and he's the best coach I got the chance to work with during 16 years of rugby. I loved working with him. He was tough on some people, but as you just mentioned, it was task-based. It was rugby-focused. And basically you did what you said, it opened up doors and you'd go through and score tries. Like it was really simple. So for you, a little bit more in the detail, how do you find Fabian to work with and how do you find the detail in his rugby? Because I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, what I, what I think what, what he did well is like he, he, he got a, a, a good coaching staff around him. So I think, because I've also, like, you know, the people talk about, especially in Montpellier, that people, had, everybody has something to say about him because of uh, how he coached in Montpellier. But when I got to the French team, like it was like you said, it was more close to what I've experienced in South Africa, where the rugby coaching is really direct and straightforward and simple and like really specific. You know where you're going like three phases after a launch. You know exactly where you are, each number. It's really technical. Like you know, when when I came to the top 14, like it was like a bit. But of this notion, no, 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 just play. Just, just, yeah. uh, yeah, but how? It's, it's <laughs> you must feel it. You must feel it. You, you will feel it uh, when you need to go. You know? Um, so when I got there, I was like, yo, it's really, I, I felt at home when they like made it a bit more, uh, a bit more specific and strict and so on. So with that, with his um, coaching staff around him have all like have a little bit of the same mentality towards that like little small details and stuff i think it it works really well you mentioned south africa there obviously looking at you now fully entrenched in montpellier been in france since 2015 you're a full-blown frenchman now but you obviously did grow up wanting to play for the springboks how difficult a decision was it winding the clock back to switch allegiance and am i right in saying you were pretty conflicted even when you made your debut it was an emotional day obviously but but those emotions almost caught you by surprise yeah no exactly like uh that's where i think people get it wrong most of the time because they like always propose it like i it was a choice i made between going to Africa or france but it was never like that like um i came to france firstly just to gain a bit more experience because i wasn't selected in a massive uh squad that was preparing the world cup i think 2015 with anik Meyer. so i wasn't selected in like a group of 80 players and then i thought well rather than uh, playing again in the Super Rugby and Curry Cup for another two years, uh, an opportunity came to me to, to go and play in France. And I thought, well, it's only a year and a half. I'll go and do that and come back, prepare for the next uh, World Cup with a new coach or whatever. So I said, well, let's do it. And then I, when I got here, played at Grenoble first for six months. And then Jake White, yeah, he came to me and he said, listen, if you want to come to Montpellier, because... At the same time, he signed like three of my friends that played with me at the Bulls. And, and I said, well, well, if my friends are there and stuff, like, oh, I think I, because I enjoy top 14 rugby. Like that's from the first game, I felt, okay, this is my type of rugby. Like <laughs> the Super Rugby was way too quick for me. <laughs> <laughs> like every game in the Super Rugby, I played like, geez, how am I going to do this for 10 years, bro? Like this is, 
this is unbelievable. I can't do this. Like every game felt like I'm dying. So when I came to the top 14, I'm like, no, no, okay, no, no. This I can do for a few years. Yo. This I can do. <laughs> so I enjoyed the top 14. So when Jack White came to me, I'm like, okay, yes, yeah, sweet. Uh, it's a South African coach. And then a few of my friends and stuff will be there. And then slowly, you know, I got news. Uh, but still had the dream playing for South Africa. And then start, slowly got news now. South Africa's not going to choose any foreign-based players. And I was like, oh, that's like a hit in the gut. Like, what, what am I going to do? Because... Now in my career, I've really enjoyed French rugby, and I'm and I'm not uh, I'm not going to go back playing club rugby in South Africa because until 14, that's that's where I'm at. And then slowly building my life in France, and uh, got my first child was born, my first boy, my boy was born, and then I started laying down a little bit more roots in France and saying like I'm not going, but I still have this dream for the Springboks. But then it was a while after my boy was born, I was like no. It doesn't look like this South African team thing is going to work. Let's just throw something out there and see if if the coaching staff of the French team is, if they are keen. And I'm sort of talking to them in any case. And then, like, if, and I got excited. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to try and go for the French team. I want to play international rugby. And my life's in France. I'm going to go for it. And then a few months after, the whole coaching staff got fired from the French team. <laughs> and they changed. How <laughs> <laughs> to start from zero again, you know? But yeah. Fast forward to my first cap. Um, for me, yeah, like uh, when I sang that first Marseillaise on uh, for my first game, for me that was a massive moment emotionally because I knew at that moment I had to shut down a childhood dream that I've had, um, like my whole life playing for the Springboks. You know, like every South African boy, and I knew like the single moment I go out on that field. It's done. It's finished. I can never do that again. But taking the risk by saying like, but going with the French team and then opening possibly another massive door for for things that I don't know, possibilities that I don't know. And uh, yeah, luckily I did because uh, at the moment I'm really happy and I've never regret my choice uh, to play for the French team ever. It's been an amazing journey already, and you said. You talked about being one of the old guys, age 30. I nearly fell off my chair. <laughs> 30. Yeah, but you knew the professional rugby, the players are getting in younger. Bro. Exactly. But at the same time, like you just mentioned, that childhood dream is finished. But now you're living another dream, which yes. looks incredible. You're having an amazing time. But there's a real possibility that France could square off against South Africa in 2023. That's a possibility, right? Emotionally there, having closed and turned that page on the South African dream, how would it feel, be it a World Cup or in future months or in November test series? How, how would it be? Obviously, your family's still very much South African back home. They come over and visit mm. all the time on Pelly. It must be an amazing yet emotional fixture to look forward to when it happens. Yeah, no, actually, we are playing them this November. I know that because uh, it's going to be... <laughs> you looked ahead. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. Like most of the players there I've played with or against when I was in South Africa and with the same with the s 20 team. There's a few players that played with me in the s 20 team when we, when we won the World Cup uh, in 2012. So they know me and I know them. And then in the Super Rugby Curry Cup, I played against all of them and they played against me. So I don't know what what emotional state I will be in or like what what will happen. But I know it's going to be it's going to not it's not going to be just another match. It will be a special one for me. Um, it's been in my back of my mind, you know, like. But I know the way the way my South African culture and uh, the way I know is like we 
the same in the top 14. When you play against other South Africans, we play even harder because, you know, you kind of want to win that respect. Um, so I know... I know for a fact that I'll be, I will be up for that game. We'll all be wincing in November, Johnny. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Ready for it already. I've put in a few big hits on a few of those players, so they know me. <laughs> <laughs> and just quickly, you mentioned that obviously Heineken Mayer left you out of that squad initially. And then you had conversations before you made your France debut with the French coaching staff about putting your name out there. So presumably around that time, you also had more conversations with the SRU or the coaching staff over there saying... I'm here if you want me. And presumably the answer was no. Like you say, unless you come back to South Africa, you're not being considered. Yeah, well, the thing is, like, I've never I've never had even one conversation with the South African rugby. Like, I was in the media here. Yeah, it came out that I'm potentially going to play for the French team. And then you'd expect, like, if he was available, somebody would contact me and say, listen, or my agent at least say, listen, uh, tell Paul to maybe just wait a bit or whatever. And it's a long journey because um, later on they changed the rule that I had to do my passport first. So I did that as well. And that's a long process. But yeah, through my whole career, like I never had one single conversation with uh, with uh, SA Rugby or anyone. So at the end, like I was kind of led into my French career. Because like, that's why that's why I say like I that's what it means when I say I, I I've never I've never like had to make a choice, either South Africa or or the French team. It's like I kind of, my life just went that that direction. But yeah, as soon as I made that decision, I said, okay, well, it doesn't matter what happens now, even if South Africa contacts me now, like the day I made the commitment that I'm going to go for it, um, I said, okay, now I'm committed, I'm going to go for it. So even though they didn't speak to me, if they did, in any case, like the year before, uh, I would have still said no. Like, But yeah, they never spoke with me, uh, so I never, never had a conversation with them. Their loss. French rugby's game. On that note, like, I, I had one interview where they asked me about it and then I, I actually said in the interview, but the thing is with South Africa is actually they, they are so blessed with massive amounts of talents on the lock position. It, it never felt like they, they needed me because they have like four or five massive locks, world-class locks. And then I said in the interview, South Africa doesn't need me, but I also don't need them. Yes, <laughs> nice. That first uh, of a few people. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you about the the process of coming into a French squad. So obviously, living in France and learning French, there's there's histories of South Africans like working their way down around international rugby teams all over the world. Like I'm Scottish, a few guys I played with, absolute legends. And then in France, you've had obviously Peter de Villiers, Rory Cockett, Scott Spedding, a long line. But is it a little bit more difficult? Because I've always felt, you know, when South Africans coming in and integrating and it's easy because most of the sort of English either is their first or second language. Then I always figured with France, with the language barrier, maybe a more cultural barrier as well. Did you find it more difficult at first integrating into the French national setup or was it easy straight from the off? No, no I, it was really difficult. For me personally, it was really difficult. Um, but the problem is, even if you explain it to the French players or the French coaching staff and stuff, they they would never really understand what you're going through, you know, because there's like these small, small details, small things that makes it really difficult. But I kind of saw it like this is this is the the sacrifice you need to make, you know, like um, because I'm sure like if I if I played with a, I was actually talking talking about this with one of my friends uh, the other day, and I was because he was he was seeing that uh, we we invited some some French singers and so on to come to our camp, and then we have like an hour 
discussions with them and it's like, I was like oh so you do you know those singers and you know the the songs and because like everyone's like singing together and i, and I told them well no like i, I didn't <laughs> i didn't grew up like these guys i i i wasn't in like had the same childhood as them and grew up with certain film stars or or singers and so on um so i'm sitting there in the you know in the <laughs> in the meeting room and everyone's like they they're talking about these things that I, I don't have a good clue about. They're singing these songs, and I'm like, I'm so keen to take part. Like I want to be a part of this, but <laughs> like you kind of feel left out. But that's the thing. Like I had to like when I made my choice to play for French Team, I knew like, listen, this is not this is not going to be the same. Like as if you play for the Springboks, where like everybody grew up like you, you understand everyone's, you understand the background, and, and like, you take part in all these little small things and enjoy it. In, a, in another way so i knew like this it's going to take some sacrifices it's not going to be the same way but um for me and the french team like i knew without a doubt that all the players respect me even though i i fall a bit short with these things that i've missed but i never feel like i needed to to have some sort of recognition or, or something like that so yeah, it's frustrating sometimes for me not to be able to take part in every single thing in the team. And I feel like I miss out sometimes. But I see it as my sacrifice I need to make to be a part of this team. And, and I'm happy to do it. But it is difficult. It's really difficult. Because uh, it's all these small things and you can't explain it. Like you, You're telling to someone, no, I didn't feel uh, it bothered me that I couldn't sing the same songs. You know, like <laughs> if you, if you in a team, they won't understand it. Like, well, you mean there's no man then what is just a song, but it's just one of those things you can't you can't have your uh, what your your bread buttered on both sides. And you mentioned your upbringing being being different, obviously, and that that being difficult. We do want to look ahead rather than look back. But the last time to look back, I, is this right that when you were a kid, you refused to wear a replica Springbok jersey, be in the tunnel at Loftus First Festival, that kind of thing, because you were like, I want to do it for real for the first time. Yeah, I know exactly. Like uh, that's. Yeah, one of my cool things um, that happened to me when I was younger. Like uh, I played for Namibia. Stuff. My parents split up. My, my mom grew up in Namibia, so I went back to Namibia, lived with her, and then I played there. And then uh, we did a tour in South Africa. So I stayed in South Africa, went to Namibia for one year, and then went back. So when I grew up in in South Africa, like the Bulls were my team. Victor Matfield was my idol. Like the Bulls was everything for me, and that was like my ticket. About I'm gonna play for the Bulls. Day. So when I was 17, yeah, we had a camp and we 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 had a tour. We came to to Pretoria and then we did like a like a, a tourist visit of of Loftus of the stadium and all that. And then we went in there and we went into the locker rooms and we went into the locker room as like as a tourist. And I was there and I was feeling so uncomfortable. I'm like, no, this feels this feels like sacred. Like I wasn't I was even mad that the other teammates in of of my my school team were like in this locker room. I was like, no. This is not right. Like I felt uncomfortable. <laughs> and I was like, no, this must be sacred because they were like so big in my head. Like this Bulls team, like they were awesome. So we got out and uh, we were walking down a tunnel to go onto the field. And then I just said, no, I'm not also not going to spoil this as well. Uh, I want the first time that I run out of this tunnel to be, to be the f- when when I play for the Bulls the first time. So I had to I had to walk around the whole stadium. <laughs> To come in from side side interest and I did like so I ran around because I didn't want the guys to see that or they will think I'm crazy or whatever. So I ran around, come from the other side, and nobody actually noticed. 
And then, yeah, surely enough, uh, the first time I ran out of the tunnel is when I played for the Bulls uh, a few years later. And then it was really special for me. Like, it's a small thing. And I don't think for, for other people it might be stupid. But for me, there was like, a, I'm going to do this. Like, and it's the same with the jersey. Like, I've never, never, never wore a supporters jersey in my life uh, for the Bulls or the Springboks. And then the first time I wore the Springbok jersey was for the Isana 20s. It's just a small thing. But yeah, that's, that's exactly what I did. <laughs> I imagine that's very similar to you, eh, Johnny? Yeah, the exact same. <laughs> you probably grew up in, in the Murrayfield Tunnel and with the Scotland yeah, somewhere, jerseys all over I was the place. sneaking my way and I was trying to sneak cigarettes. I was doing everything <laughs> wrong. I was just, well, there we go. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. And just um, quickly, you mentioned your your break in France was was Grenoble. We had Bernard Jackman on not so long ago, and he was your coach there, wasn't he? How did you like Bernard? Yeah, well, that kind of time in my career is such a blur, you know, because I'm understood nothing, like uh, no French at all. Basically, my life was just going to training and uh, going home and then maybe going to a restaurant. Like, you know, the first few months here is the toughest in France, like uh, adapting and all that. So I only spent six months there. And it was the winter. And it's the first time in my life that I saw the snow. And it was everywhere, bro. <laughs> it was white, 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 white. Like, I couldn't believe it. I started the first game. Bernard Jack was like, no, Paul, listen, you're going to start this weekend. We're playing against Toulon um, at Mayol. Be ready. And I was like, okay, okay, I'm ready. Looking at the team. And then you got John Smith, Bucky's Buerta, all those guys. I'm like, oh, okay. Okay, this is top 14 now. Let me, let me go. Um, so, yeah, then he, he let me lose that first game. And uh, I played well. And it was also a massive moment for me, that first game. So, during the game, I had one moment where I tackled John Smith. And I gave him like a, a proper tackle, you know, taking him backwards, a signature tackle. And then after the game... Because like John Smith, Bucky's Buddha is like my heroes as well. And then uh, after the game, uh, those two go, oh, I walk up to them, like just want to shake their hands and say, thank you guys. It's awesome to play against you. And then uh, John Smith is like, yes, bro, you can't kill us old guys like that. Hey, <laughs> and then Bucky's Buddha is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I told you about it before the game. I told you you must be careful. He's going to, he can smoke you. That must have been awesome. Oh, bro, that was that was the best feeling like I've ever had, like best compliment ever like, to have these two legends talk about me like that. And that was my first taste in it. And then I was like, okay. And then, so yeah, with Bernard Jackman, played well, he actually, he gave me also, he gave me a lot of compliments and stuff. And he's, uh, when I started playing, he just told me, listen, I like your, like your attitude, like your aggressivity. Um, so I also got a lot of uh, compliments from him while I was playing and, I was just a bit sad that I had to like because at the end it was me that um, broke up my contract with uh, with uh, Grenoble to go to Montpellier, but at that time I just got married, 
And it was the first time, like, me and my wife, like, we started, we got married, and then the next day we left for Grenoble. So it was difficult for her. She did her studies, and when, when I got there, now she's doing nothing. She was studying uh, accounting. Now she couldn't use a degree or nothing. So, and then we didn't have lots of friends. We were still a young couple, and the other South Africans that were there were really old. Um, so we, I was quite, we were friends with Albertus Buckle, um, also a South African player, and his family. And then they left the next season. So it started being difficult for my for my wife. And then it's like, that was like my first big decision I had to make um, as a husband or a family guy now is not just to think about myself, but I had to think about my wife as well. It's a cool honeymoon destination, Grenoble. Not many South Africans go there <laughs> for honeymoon. The very next day, you've never seen snow. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I always joke with my wife. I tell her like, yeah. What do you mean we didn't have a honeymoon? I took you to France. Like, <laughs> you've been on a honeymoon for seven years now. Like, <laughs> And mate, so obviously it's worked out for the best. Like Montpellier now, you seem settled. The team is flying compared to where you were last season. A little bit of difficulty. Philippe Saint-André's come in and, and salvaged the club, it would seem. So what's the difference been? And how good a job has he done as a new head coach? Yeah, no, it, uh, the, the problem I think with our club for a long time was that we we changed coach every two years. We didn't have an, uh, a position like we have now with the director of rugby, where that Philippe and Andre is playing now. So it meant like every time the coach got fired or left, like the whole system, the whole rugby identity, everything left as well. It wasn't somebody that stayed that had like a long term plan. So it meant like every two years we have to start restart, and a new camp coach comes in, and then he brings in a few of his players, and he has his rugby identity and mentality. And then you, it takes one year to adapt and then the second year it's tough. And then, yeah, the pressure of the top 14 and all that. So with Philippe Snyder, when he came in, um, I think the best thing that he, he's done is his recruitment. Like if he's, he's done some really good signings for the team and he's starting to make sure like we're not just buying the stars, but we're buying the, the position, the players in the positions that we need. Is that quite similar to the France setup then, in a way, where Philippe Saint-André is like the Fabian Galtier and then you've got his specialist sort of coaches underneath and he oversees everything? Yeah, but I think um, with Fabian, he's a bit more hands-on. Uh, Philippe Saint-André, he's, he's uh, guiding a bit more from a distance because now with our coaching staff, we've got Olivier Azamba, um, who's like plays forwards coach, uh, and then uh, Jamba Elisette that, um, that's doing the backs. Uh, so... They're working together now, and then we've got him from a little bit off distance. I mean, it's not like as hands-on during the week; he's more valuable in games and so and, and bigger decisions. And so far, it's been working really well. But I think as well, like because we've got a core group that that went through those difficult times together, it's made the team also quite tight. There's there's also no more talking about um, too many foreigner players or South Africans in the team and all that because. Your people, people like to throw that in our faces, like when 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 Jake was there and just after Jake. Looking back over those different staffs, you had Jake White, then you had Vern Cotter, Xavier Garbajosa, Philippe's come in, and like you said, it's almost weird when you have a core group that's been through the mill and they just crave a bit of stability and they think, right, we've got a decent coaching team in, let's stick with this and let's perform. You mentioned the names, so Olivier Zam. John Baptiste Elisald, Bruce Rahana, Rahana's in there as well, isn't he? Bruce, yes, yes, Bruce is there as well. Could, huh? could you give us a little insight into the different personalities 
um, and the different responsibilities they have in terms of specifics within the squad. And then we also have Alex Ruiz, uh, the old top four. Of course, uh, yes. Referee turned defence coach, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So we've got uh, Oliver Zam that, that's more like with the forwards, you know, the um, scrums, lineouts, forward attacking play. And then we've got Chamba that's a bit, um, you know, backs, a little bit kicking game. And um, also in the beginning, he did more defence, now a bit less. And then we've got Bruce, that's like a skills coach now for us. It's like general skills, you know, for the backs, kicking, passing, or for us all. Um, for that. And then we've got Alex Ruiz, who's more about the the breakdown zone, stealing, clearing out, you know, also like tackling. And like I said, it, it it works it works well enough. But I think a big part of it is, like you said, is the, the team really. In Montpellier, we've never been as tight as we are now as a team. And we we've went through some really difficult difficult times. And so now, yeah, it's uh, awesome playing now with this team because now, in the, in the past, we would always lose a game like in a lot twenty minutes, thirty minutes would fall off, and now it kind of feels like now we we go to bring out the game from the dead from the depths there at the last twenty minutes and go and and that that always means something special if a team can uh, is able to do to do that and not just give up. So. We've got something special. Still need some polishing, and and um, by that that will come by time. And um, hopefully, we've got a few players that are coming back as well from injury, and that we've lost big, big, big names. So hopefully, we can use that momentum for the end of the season. You mentioned Alex Ruiz there as a big second row enforcer. Be honest with us. When you heard a referee was coming in to coach you, what did you think? <laughs> Yeah, 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 no, I definitely was like, no, I'll just see how this goes. But <laughs> I'm not, I'm not all in yet. But I need to see what's what <laughs> have a chat, yeah, because it might be my my chance to get all my my frustrations out of referees out of <laughs> out on him. First few training sessions, you can't, bro. Now that you're a captain, you can't behave like that anymore. Um, and we mentioned <laughs> right at the start that you won this weekend over Beeritz and you captain Montpellier for the first time. First time, how big an honor? For you, was that? It was one of the biggest honors for me um, in my French career. Like it's it's up there as one of the best things because um, it's been a while that I've played for this team and like for me, I feel like I've sacrificed a lot for this team and and I've always been here and always giving my giving it my all through everything that's went through that went through this club and like and I'm one of the few players left that that really went through everything. I just didn't experience uh, Fabian Gatier, but after that, like I went through everything, and then for me, it's special. Like, uh, and it was it was really frustrating in a, in a one part where we had lots of South Africans in the team, and then like you, they put me in the same box as like all the South Africans, or they put all the South Africans in the same box, but I was there making a massive effort with my language, considering playing for the French team, wanting to build my family, like really committed, and it kind of didn't got seen because um, all, with all the South Africans that were there. So I got, and then as well, you can't you can't build a relationship with the coaching staff if it, if it changes every two years, you know. And that was also difficult. So when you new coach comes, they kind of forget about everything you've already done for the club. It starts when they start. So for me to be to be captain, it's like can't even explain it. it uh, after the game, they asked me the same question, and I and I. Uh, I got a little bit of emotional when they asked the question because for me it's it's such a great honor. Like for me personally, I love having a responsibility and I have I love 
having people um, relying on me because I know like uh, I want to show my whole team like that. It doesn't matter what happens, like don't worry, Paul, Paul will be there. You'll be up for it. And so far you've got hundred percent win record as captain. <laughs> Um, my old mate, my old captain of Montpellier is also retiring at the end of the year. Fufu, he's hanging up his boots. So would you stick your hand up? Would you like to do the job on a permanent basis? Yeah, definitely, definitely. The thing that just makes it difficult is like every time I leave for the French team, I'm not there with the club. And that was kind of the difficulties a bit earlier um, with the new coaching staff uh, that we spoke about and when I when they start talking about me in a leadership position. That's where, why they, they cornered a little bit. Uh, they asked other players to captaincy as well because um, yeah, they said listen we love you to be there but it's going to be difficult if you're not part of the whole thing and so on so it makes it a bit difficult but I'm all in like for me it will be the, uh, if I'm captain doesn't matter for how long or whatever um, it will be the biggest honour for me to be the captain and I'll take that responsibility 100% but if I'm not I'm still going to do my job and how did you find out you were going to be captain? You mentioned how much of an honour it is. Did Philippe make a, a big gesture of it? And also, Johnny mentioned it was a big win, 100% record as captain so far, but you were 22-14 down at half-time. Yeah. You scored a couple of tries yourself, so leading by example. But yeah. what was that half-time speech like? You're first a skipper, you're losing 22-14. How'd it go? No, for me, it was just, um, like, obviously, it's a bit bit more stress when you, when you do your first, like, professional game as captain, like, it's something new so with your experience you kind of get like in the rhythm of things and now like a top 14 game for me for me it's it's not as big as it was in the beginning you know so I prepare and I'm up for it but I don't get stressed but now as a captain it's something new so I I got a little bit of those uh, butterflies that you've you've haven't had in a long time you got that back Um, so we we started the game and then (laughs) everything went south and I was like, okay, no, this is uh, <laughs> not a start I was hoping for. Um, but yeah, uh, Philippe, just in the you know, beginning of the week, came up to me and says, okay, Paul, listen, um, you've been like uh, the, the combat leader or whatever, vice captain a few times now, but uh, we want you to be the captain this weekend. And yeah, really proud. And I said, yeah, okay, I'm up for it. But yeah, the start of the game didn't go as planned. And then halftime, well, I just knew, like, for me, an important thing was just to not change what I've been doing, like, not to start now trying to give the biggest brave art speech I can of my career. Like, you know, like, <laughs> I said, no, just stick to the simple stuff. Just be, like, like I like to stay neutral and not get emotional because um, I, I feel like if you get emotional, you kind of lose the plot and then make mistakes and, you're not as clear-headed. So I tried to stay neutral, um, just with the simple stuff. But obviously, Philippe and Andre, he was having a go with the guy, so I let him do his thing. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, then uh, when we got out, I said, like, okay, let's just, we know what we need to fix. Let's go do it. But then I knew as well, like, we kind of had a big, a massive bench coming uh, or, uh, coming on uh, second half. So I was, like, kind of relying on them to come and bring a little bit more energy and stuff uh, so I was uh, looking at the highlights of the game and I was first first half, like, I was in it. I could see like every time I concentrated. And then when we, we scored, I think the second last try, you could see me like, no, I'm smiling a bit. Okay. <laughs> it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. It all works out in the end. And then um, just quickly before we let you go, perfectly on the way this weekend. So 
you skipper again or you get an arrest after a, a big Six Nations period and ahead of a big home and away clashes against Quinns in Europe, of course. Yeah, no, no, no rest for me yet. Uh, <laughs> so no, I'll probably uh, play again. Uh, yeah, I'll probably play again this weekend and probably be the captain again this weekend. No, no holiday yet. So still need to grind a little bit more. Hopefully I'll get, uh, get some off days in the coming weeks. But I saw with the, with the Champions Cup, we'll see how that goes. Um, maybe it'll be a weekend available um, that, that we will use. But yeah, no, there's only five games left of the top 14. And we've kind of have, have like our team's objectives of how many points we want to reach with these last games to, to stay at the top of the league. So, um, yeah, that's our objective and we need to achieve that. But yeah, that's the rugby. Right. Yeah, there's always there's always an objective. There's always uh, it's always something uh, to to work towards. No rest for the wicked, but massive congratulations on a huge few weeks. Grand Slam, captaincy, taking over from Fufu next year, according to Johnny. <laughs> and thanks ever so much for coming on and telling us all about it. Cheers, Paul. No, thank you very much, guys. Really enjoyed it. Thanks a lot, mate. Legend. Catch you soon. Cheers, guys. How good was that to have Paul on? And very honest not obviously we think of him as a fully fledged frenchman now even though we know his past but very honest about fitting in really admirable candor it's not every day you'll get that and it must be difficult i've always thought that like even coming to scotland or going to ireland is difficult but i've always thought the language barrier and the cultural barriers because of the language must make it so hard and so yeah i can picture him sitting in those meetings and again some of that like the actor they had is really famous he's a massive French rugby fan, Jean Dujardin, who's been in like the artist and loads of different things in English as well. But if you haven't been around him growing up, you wouldn't know. The singer was Francis Cabrel. And I only know that because Fufu, who was my captain at Montpellier, made me listen to his song after way too much wine one night in Montpellier. <laughs> so like there was no way you would get these cultural references if you hadn't grown up here. But amazing to see, again, how he's grown in his journey over time, but also how he's grown into the role. Like he's an absolute, and like we overuse it in enforcer, enforcer, like a back. He's, but that's what he is. The physicality and what he brings now to this French team and Montpellier in a leadership role, he's just been exceptional. So great to have him on. Lovely big guy, um, but really appreciate his honesty. Um, but now clearly fitted in and he's doing so well. Grand Slam winner. He's, he's cracked it. He's done all right. Right. It's about time we did our meter moment of the week, isn't it? So take it away, Johnny. This week, it comes from La Rochelle versus Racing, um, and they went coast to coast quite freakishly. Jeremy Sanzel uh, turns the ball over on his five-meter line, rips the ball off Luke Jones, back row or second row, which he will not want to see again. And then it was like watching something out of Super Rugby. They could normally, or if Paul was captain, they'd have kicked the ball out, um, but they didn't. They chucked the ball behind their own try line and ran it out, and it was ridiculous. The gas by Raymond Rule links with Brice Dulan and Bougarit, and Thomas Bergen goes over a class piece of play and easily the meter of the moment for this week in the top 14, coast to coast for La Rochelle and a fairly freakish try. It was awesome. Out of character from the rest of the game as well. The only try in the game. Yeah, but that, that's, the, that's the magical part in that it was a little bit out of the blue. Um, I think it was Popolan, the replacement 10 that decided to chuck the ball Carlos Spencer-esque behind his own try line. But that's what you need. He's an X-Factor player um, trying something a little bit different, going a bit off script adding a bit of spark to the game. And it certainly was a magical moment. So definitely and easily our meter moment of this weekend's top 14 action. 
There we go. That was Johnny's meter moment of the week. And meter is the world's number one wireless meat thermometer, recently making over 11 million cooks better with their game-changing app and completely wireless Bluetooth meat probe. You can use it on a barbecue, in the oven, or in a pan, and you can get your hands on one at meter.com. Plus, you can get 10% off any full price item with the code FRENCHPOD10 at checkout as well. And on top of that, we've been running a competition on social media to win two tickets to both the Champions and Challenge Cup finals in Marseille in May. So do you want to do the big reveal, Johnny? Yeah, why not? Congratulations to Santiago Garcia Guillan, who will be taking his mate to Marseille for a long weekend. And he also, I love this because he, he commented on social media and said, this is the mate I'm taking. His friend has then commented underneath saying, mate, you can't do that. Your missus will divorce you. You're going to get your balls booted. You have to take her. You can't take me. So now you absolutely are taking your best mate. Your missus is was probably going to lose you to either a sofa or a bar because you'd be watching it with your mates anyway. So now you can get there in person, thanks to us, enjoy it with one of your best mates and have an amazing weekend of rugby in Marseille. Santiago, enjoy it. It's on us. There we go. Congratulations, Santiago. And a full explanation of why we've picked you as well. We hope your relationship yep. is still intact at the end of it. But if not, blame Johnny Beatty. And that's also an inkling to everyone else in future competitions. Get grafting in there. Say you need a weekend away from your missus and we'll sort it out for you. Excellent. And um, let's have a brief chat about the top 14 before we go as well. Some of the other action. You mentioned the La Rochelle game there. We spoke to Paul about Montpellier. You covered the game on Sunday night. Toulouse yep. were able to bring five Grand Slam winners off the bench and the clip of Antoine Dupont has done the rounds. He was pretty impressive when he came on. The boy's a machine. Um, and weirdly for Toulouse, without their stars, they've looked really shorn of confidence. They lost six on the bounce when they were away and it was really difficult. Um, but the ovation that those boys got when they came off the bench at the weekend was incredible. Marchand, Cro, Dupont and Tamak. Um, and they just did enough. Again, it, it wasn't an easy game. Leon were actually very well organised and hard to break down, but that will do them so much for their confidence. The fact that it hasn't been there and they've lost these tight games, but these guys are now back. And this now is the race for them to finish as high up as they can in the top 14 for the playoffs. Um, and so they just got over the line. Again, Julian Marchand basically changed the game with an awesome line break <laughs> with Antoine Dupont who was playing like Hulk again. Um, the guy just doesn't stop. But yeah, you get the feeling that they just need a bit of confidence back in camp. These guys to bring it back from Six Nations, confidence and move on slowly. Um, but as Paul alluded, there's only five games left. I say build slowly. They've got five games left to finish as high up as they can. Um, and certainly with the standards that are being bought back from the French camp, a top two finish. Is that possible? I don't know, but certainly to try and get home quarter will be their objective. Speaking of Toulouse, Leon, we've spoken about this fullback situation for next season at Toulouse before. Yeah. It's not confirmed yet, but the, Melvin Jaminet has been linked with with Toulouse for God knows how long. Ange Capuzzo is reportedly going there as well. If those two do both go there, is Tom and Bramos going to Leon? Well, of what I've seen, uh, what I've heard, um, I don't want to drop names, um, but people that have told me is that he's actually signed an extension already. Tom Morales, okay. um, but it hasn't been released in the press. Again, with Zach Combs leaving him way up to Bordeaux, they're going to need a second string 10 when Intermac isn't there. So it looks like Tom Ramos is going to be pushed more into potentially a second string um, standoff role. That's where he played 
in cup final against La Rochelle last season as well and did an outstanding job. But yeah, Melvin Jamin is kind of rumbling on in that he said that he would like to make a break in his contract. The Burpignon president's come out and said, look, he's got a job to do. If we go down and we're relegated, that becomes automatic. But at the minute, I think there's conversations going on behind closed doors as to if they don't get relegated, what will Toulouse have to pay out in terms of compensation to break his contract and get him there next season? And then as you mentioned, the new Italian starlet as well, who is Gif potentially joining as well. So look, Toulouse again are going to be fully loaded, it looks like, next season. And Toulon as well had a Another good win over Claremont. Five wins in their last seven now. Perhaps more interestingly, we're hearing that friend of the show, Sergio Parise, might be staying on. It's always one more year, isn't it? One more year. And he he kind of has in the back of his mind that he might want to finish at the 2023 World Cup, even though he hasn't played since the last one for Italy. Why not? Like the guy's still playing well. If mentally he's still got the desire to do it, do another year. Like he's still playing at a high level every time he takes the field for too long. In a difficult situation, they haven't, been terrific, especially the first six months of the season, but the guy still performs week in, week out. He's setting out a map that hasn't worked from over the past 12, 24 months with the Italian side, but potentially now some sort of contractual arrangement where he plays for Toulon and is registered. And then if he gets to go, he gets released and he gets to finish with Italy at the World Cup, which would be just what he deserves because he's been absolutely phenomenal to watch for decades, really. Even more so this season. He's backing it up week in, week out. So fair play. It's phenomenal. And he'd be 40, as you mentioned, just after the World Cup. But yeah, he's still playing like he's 30, which for me isn't old, as we've already mentioned earlier in the show. Uh, So fair play. And another number eight at the other end of the age and experience scale. But Jordan Joseph scored a hat trick for Poe in their win over Perpignan. Could he be one of the players that obviously goes to Japan with France, shines there, and maybe sticks his hand up as a as a real claim for a place at the 2023 World Cup? Potentially. I mean, he, he's been so good since moving to post. Performances have been great. The, the difficulty is going to be getting into that World Cup squad is going to depend on injuries because you've got Olivon coming back to fitness. There's another spot. Your launch is going to be moved across. Potentially there's another eight. Um, you've got Tolafua as well, who's performed at eight for France. So the question is, is he better than those guys you've currently already got in there and are absolutely flying. Could he be a bolter? I think a lot of water still to under the bridge, but the way he's been performing this season has been a massive step up. But can he do it consistently over the next 12 months? Um, that will define whether he goes or not. But it would be really interesting. I think he'd be a good shout as a bolter to go on this summer tour and gain some experience with the coaching setup that France have and potentially the World Cup. Who knows? But there's a lot of rugby still to be played between now and then. And finally, Derby weekend in the top 14 this weekend, isn't it really? So any in particular that stand out? Um, I'll be up working at Racing and Stade Francais, which is massive. One on a personal note that I love being part of was Cast Toulouse as well. That is an enormous game of rugby, especially when it's in Cast and you've got all of Toulouse's rock stars coming back. And then Bordeaux against La Rochelle is possibly the biggest one in the clash for top six places as well. Um, two sides that have battled really after starting the season in great shape, but over the past six weeks have, have really toiled. Um, and that's without losing too many big names. So Bordeaux-La Rochelle, I think is probably the biggest clash and probably going to be the most interesting game this weekend. And then obviously Paul's going to be down in Perpignan in the Catalan region with Montpellier. So look, there's loads of huge games to look forward to this weekend. Can't wait for those. Thanks, Johnny. A big thanks to Paul Willemser for joining us and a massive thanks to all you guys for listening as well. Hit subscribe, leave us a nice review if you can as well. Check us out on Rugby Pass and on YouTube, and we'll be back with another episode next week. Au revoir, Johnny. Cheers, mate.
when you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.